1: For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Prior to the 17th or 18th century, if someone referred to himself as a Pythagorean, chances are he was not a mathematician. We'll learn all about it today on A Taste of the Past. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio. And today, indeed, Pythagoreans were considered vegetarians. And we're going to learn all about that. I have my, as my guest today, Rin Berry. And Rin is a historical advisor to the North American Vegetarian Society. And he's on the advisory board of EarthSave. He's an author and a historian. And in his lectures and articles and books, he specialized in the study of vegetarianism from a historical perspective. His books include The New Vegetarian's. Uh, famous vegetarians and their recipes from Buddha to the Beatles, and uh, Hitler, neither vegetarian nor animal lover, and food for the gods. Rin, welcome. I have so much to learn about this. It's, you know, we think that vegetarianism, it's like <coughs> this new wave in the past uh, 50 years or so, and all of a sudden, ah, now vegetarianism, vegans, it's their time. They've come of age. But in fact, it's got quite a long history. True
3: yes actually uh, vegetarianism is being <clears throat> excuse me is being rediscovered rather than reinvented rather than uh, invented
2: well rediscovered I mean I referred to Pythagoras right, to exactly. to Pythagoras um it, tell me a little bit like rediscovered from when how long yeah. ago can we trace back the practice of vegetarianism well
3: in the west uh, Pythagoras uh, is the eponymous founder of the uh, vegeta- first vegetarian society uh, his uh,
2: and that was what, like, four hundred BC, or something yeah, about like that,
3: right? uh, yeah, the fifth, uh, the sixth century BC, mm-hmm. actually. And uh, he uh, was actually more renowned in antiquity for being not not so much an, a mathematician, although he did have a school of uh, mathematics and philosophy. He was really more.
2: I would say, then, why did I have to memorize his theory? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. but he combined uh, uh, education uh, with. Uh, education and philosophy and mathematics, with uh, uh, athletics. He was uh, actually more uh, renowned as a coach. Uh, He trained uh, athletes for the Olympics, and uh, actually the the most uh, uh, successful Olympian of all time was a student of Pythagoras. Uh, His name was Milo of Croton.
2: And so the practice of avoiding... Uh, the flesh of animals came in with the coaching.
3: That, well, his diet, actually, his training regimen, uh, uh, is what uh, brought him to prominence because so many of his uh, his proteges and athletes were were uh, successful, such as like Milo of Croton. Mm. That uh, other coaches uh, emulated him, and for almost a thousand years, his uh, dietary regimen, which is essentially a vegan. Uh, raw food diet was uh, on the uh, you know, was part of the regimen of all uh, uh, coaches in th- throughout antiquity
2: interesting but those decisions were not based on any I mean it became his religion but it was was it a, a moral or metaphysical decision do, do we know I mean um, from what, as much as we can read from um, the you know the writers of antiquity
3: well, there was a, definitely an ethical basis. Uh, it's, it's even uh, believed that Pythagoras traveled to, uh, to India in, to possibly sit at the feet of the Buddha himself. They were contemporaries. And uh, because there are many uh, of the uh, hallmarks of uh, what might call an Ahimsa-based religion or a nonviolent uh, ethical vegetarian religion that are... Uh, particular to uh, Pythagoras' uh, society
2: hmm. well and one would think that you know as a, as a coach and and the um, you know in the Greek games that that it would have been a, a health practice but that really that that conscious decision of avoiding meat for a healthy reason mm-hmm. that came about much later did it not I mean in terms yes of, absolutely you know, it, you know vegetarian was, practices
3: yes. Hmm. Uh, because you know, again, uh, medical science was in its you know infancy at, the, at, the, right. at that time. Right. so uh,
2: Well, in food for the gods, uh, vegetarianism, and world's religions, you really do trace back a lot of the um, the early religions and mm-hmm. their and their practices of abstaining from meat. Uh, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Well, I actually I begin the book with that. The uh, so called Ahimsa based religions, uh, and then I distinguish them from the religions of the West, the Abrahamic religions such as Judaism, Christianity, and, and Islam. And uh, the Ahimsa based religions, uh, from their inception, uh, have uh, injunctions against har- harming other creatures. And uh, uh, in fact, the, the term Ahimsa is the first uh, precept of these religions. Uh, Taoism, Buddhism, Jainism, and uh, Hinduism, Mm -hmm. uh, or the hymns of Israelism. Because as their first commandment, they have an injunction against harming all living creatures. Whereas in the Abrahamic religions, uh, the uh, first commandment is is not, uh, uh, thou shalt not kill. In fact, that's rather far down on the list of thou shalt nots. First Commandment is, have no other gods before thee. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, you know, I, in the book I contrast the uh, the uh, uh, differences and similarities between the Ahimsa-based and the Abrahamic. Although I, I should mention that in the, Abra- in the Abrahamic religions uh, there is there are vegetarian and, uh, beginnings which have been largely uh, forgotten and suppressed.
2: Well, it, uh, many people believe or think, uh, mistakenly think that uh, all Buddhists are vegetarians, which yes. is not necessarily so. Right? I mean, that's, that's true. That, yeah. that has changed a lot, um, and Hindus probably more, more likely. Well,
3: uh, and again, I would attribute that to uh, Westernization. Uh, uh. Certainly, prior to uh, the uh, uh, influence of, of Western uh, mores and uh, practices. Uh, uh, the, the great mass of, of people in China and uh, India were vegetarian, and, and east of the Himalayas uh, they were vegan because there's no tradition of dairying in the in East Asia, mm-hmm. and west of the Himalayas they uh, were lacto lacto vegetarians.
2: So let's talk about those terms: vegetarianism and vegan. I mean, vegan we know is a very new term. That's um, right, b- and vegetarian. Is not that old of a term either. Can you give us a little a little history on that?
3: Well, there are new terms, but they're not new. They're ancient practices. Ancient
2: practices, but the Mm. but we didn't have a name for it. Yes,
3: exactly. Well, we relied on the word uh, uh, Pythagorean as a synonym for uh, a fleshless diet Mm -hmm. until the uh, mid nineteenth century, when uh, the term uh, vegetarian was coined. No one actually knows when or by whom. I mean, they know when, when it first appeared in print uh, in about 1848, 1847, hmm. in a, a journal, a water cure journal in Horschel, England. That's when it first appeared hmm. in print. Uh, there's an apocryphal story. that An Oxford scholar coined it uh, from the root of Wagetas, but that's actually, as I said, apocryphal. Uh, and the term vegan was coined al- almost 100 years later to the date, uh, <coughs> in 1944, uh, Donald Watson uh, and his wife uh, collaborated on the ter- term vegan. So they actually just took the first and last syllable of vegetarian.
2: A little shorter, <laughs> a little easier to m- yeah, remember but to but say. Yeah, but were they, right. were
3: they <coughs> an emphasis on uh, abstaining from... Uh, dairy, all animal pr- uh, products, internal and external.
2: Hmm. Well, going back to um, the antiquity, well, the West, and then, and then, um, and as it progressed, there were. You, well, in fact, you wrote a whole book on famous vegetarians. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Uh, but there was an interesting, an interesting uh, progress, progression in you know who mm-hmm. in in who was vegetarian and and. Uh, and how some of those uh, practices came about, um, and we see, we hear such names as Kellogg and Graham, mm-hmm. of course, and Fletcher, and That's right. but then some surprising ones like uh, Benjamin Franklin. And
3: yeah, you know,
2: give us give, tease us a little bit with some of these famous names.
3: Well, uh, you mentioned uh, Franklin. He was a vegetarian for three years only, but he does uh, uh, advert to it in his autobiography, and. Uh, so he was the f- the only founding father to have had a fling with uh, vegetarianism. <laughs> I
1: like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and he had derived his vegetarianism from from an English uh, an English author, Thomas Tryon, who uh, you know uh, recommended it as a for moral and economic reasons. Mm. And this uh, appealed to Franklin's uh, uh, pecuniary sense. You know, he being a very Thrifty man, and he, yeah, was he found expensive. that he could save money and uh, yeah. uh, buy books for his lot li- to uh, to stock his library, and uh, so it had uh, a very it had an appeal to him on that level.
2: But it seems like maybe and um, I don't know in in not in a very informed sense, but mm. you know, but but a good practice for him, yeah, um, and. Uh, I, and I was thinking oh I know I was thinking of um, uh, the, the we know we hear a lot about we. you know the sanitariums of Kellogg's and, and sure and Kellogg's
3: uh, Kellogg was a protege of uh, Ellen White who, who was the first uh, woman uh, to have founded a, uh, a religious sect in uh, North America you know the Seventh, seventh Day Adventists uh, she was actually the the founding uh, Spirit of that movement, uh, she took it up from the Millerites. Actually, well, she took over the Millerite uh, sect, which had prophesied and, uh, a fixed date for the uh, for the return of the of the uh, the New Jerusalem or the the second coming, the second the coming, uh, the second advent. That's that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. So it does. It's strange, strangely enough, uh, the vegetarian movement has a religious impetus you know it's not it's not purely a secular movement in hmm. fact if you look deeply enough into into it uh, you'll find that uh, practically every manifestation of vegetarianism has had a religious uh, impetus
2: and and some of them of course broke off and became their own little meatless Religions on their own kind of yeah. you know heretic uh, practices, yeah, yeah. as as Colin Spencer you know referred to in his in his good Sure, way, absolutely. Right?
3: And Kellogg was a uh, you know the the whole uh, breakfast food industry actually grew out of Adventism because he finding
2: he, a way to substitute something. Yeah, is, exactly. Right? He
3: was trying to find a substitute for the all American breakfast, and he created. Uh, he and his brother Will uh, uh, created uh, Cornflakes hmm. by trial and error said it was. Uh, it became uh, almost a uh, byword for for the American breakfast. And
2: well, you mentioned something about economical reasons when you were referring to Franklin, and um, we can even look at uh, prehistory mm-hmm. in some of our earliest sure. ancestors. There are those who lived who died out because they didn't live in very and <laughs> very uh, mm-hmm. welcoming climates. But yeah. so they, you know, they had no fruits and vegetables to you know, to eat, right? I mean, for, so for economical reasons, if they lived in an area where they didn't have to hunt, it was easy, and they could sure, just yeah. grow, how much did this play on some of those backgrounds? We don't know precisely, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But certainly we learned to make fire and cook. Right? Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about the whole cooking or not cooking when mm-hmm. we come back after the short break.
1: You're listening to Bohemia on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Did you know that pollinators are needed for more than two thirds of the world's crop species? Most of these pollinators are bees. However, North America's bee population has been steadily declining since the 1990s. Whether you live in the country or the city, you can show your commitment by hosting a hive in your backyard or even on a rooftop. The beekeeping movement is growing, so you're sure to find swarms of folks who can help you find your way. Learn more about the ways you can help be the solution at WholeFoodsMarket.com slash share the buzz. HeritageRadio Network.org is a member-supported nonprofit organization. If you like what you're listening to, go to our website and click that donate button. Become a member and get special discounts, invites, VIP treatment, t-shirts, and more. Support us in our mission to bring you the freshest food content in the nation.
2: Hi, we're back on a taste of the past and I'm speaking with Rin Berry. Rin is an author and historian, um, particularly focusing on vegetarianism. I guess you could say a vegetarian historian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what about you in particular, Rin? You have you have been a practicing vegan, vegetarian for a long time. What 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 got you into this? Was it uh, sort of a, a moral decision or not a religious, was it a health decision? What
3: yeah, I, w- I was prompted by uh, ethical impulses when I learned that uh, animals excrete uh, adrenaline, you know, before they're slaughtered. That was enough to convince me that I should uh, reform my diet. This so how was at long- an, I was a teenager at the time.
2: And so you have been a strict vegetarian since that time? Yeah,
3: since that time. Well, no. I've become stricter. I mean, at first I was a lacto-vegetarian, and then I, in uh, 1983, I became a... Uh, Thoroughgoing vegan, meaning I abstain from all wearing and consuming animal products of any sort. Hmm, interesting, including honey. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, and and you're alive and well to speak of it. I think it was I, I ran across a, a an interesting quote from George Bernard Shaw, hmm. who was a vegetarian and uh, and was he said that. It's nearly 50 years since I was assured by a conclave of doctors that if I did not eat meat, I should die of starvation. Which was, right. in his in his dry wit and humor, he was telling us that it was happened 50 years ago that the doctor sold him, and he was still alive <laughs> right. and well. So, uh,
3: and he lived into his mid-90s, actually.
2: Interesting. Yeah. And he
3: died of, he just had, took a bad fall and had a hip injury and went into decline, but... I think he was doing pirouettes and let me in the park at the time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, vegetarian groups have been alive and and active from the early 20th century. That we know, I mean, actual formed organizations like the Vegetarian Union has been a you know a, a, a group mm-hmm. that's been alive for um, quite yeah. a while. Um, the,
3: the first veg- secular vegetarian society actually started in New York City in 1850. Hmm. founded by Bronson Alcott and Sylvester Graham and uh, a a water cure physician named uh, Troll. Hmm.
2: So Graham, another one who was trying to find an alternative using whole grains. Yes, exactly, and and gave his name
3: uh, to the uh, famous uh, or infamous uh, cracker, Graham cracker.
2: Probably nothing like what he... Originally yeah. invented, but <laughs> it's got a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> adulterated beyond <laughs> right. recognition. Exactly, it? exactly. Uh, it's interesting in reading some of your writings that um, a lot of the um, the vegetarians also happen to be abolitionists. and That's true, yeah. I guess that all goes hand in hand with the humane treatment. And
3: yeah, I mean, you know, some of the, in the 18th century, uh, uh, people like uh, Woolman, you know, were, were fervent abolitionists and... Uh, that certainly, I mean, if one were a vegetarian, uh, for ethical reasons, then it would be inescapable uh, uh, that one should be uh, uh, an abolitionist. You know? Not
2: to enslave an animal or Not another human being. Not to enslave animals being, or right. humans. Right, know? indeed. Um, in
3: fact, the modern in, in the animal rights movement, uh, the term abolitionist is really the uh, definitive term to uh, describe someone who is uh, bent on... Uh, reforming uh, human relations with animals and you know and, uh, abolitionists are uh, absolutely uh, determined you know to to abolish uh, animal enslavement and hmm. they they brook no uh, uh, you know, uh, mediation or it has to be uh, Emancipation now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in contrast with the welfareists who are sort of gradualists, and they're accused of wanting to enlarge the cages and make make conditions
2: more well, like the, well, but, and that's but that's that's you know, the dichotomy. Room. There's in the exactly and room for debate on that. I mean, because the whole mm-hmm. slaughterhouse issue, I and mean, we've got that, um, and that for those who aren't vegetarians, I mean, humane um, bringing animals to you know to yeah. to uh, the slaughterhouse, or the word "slaughter," of course, has such horrible connotations now. But to bring them to the table in more humane, if you will, mm-hmm. methods, mm-hmm. and uh, and that that of course is a big movement now. Well, the vegetarian movement, vegan movement, is has indeed blossomed mm-hmm. over, I would say, indeed, uh, fifty years, particularly. Yes. And there were always certain. I guess buzzwords like macrobiotic or um, even organic for a long time was sort of a buzzword for vegetarian Mm -hmm. um, practices. But I think that so much is happening today that leads people more into um, not having, and I've talked with other authors and food uh, chefs and and, um, people in the food world, that we sort of have to get away from that having meat as the central uh, mm-hmm. Spot on our plate with yeah. a couple sides, and for those of us who eat meat, and I do, um, mm-hmm. having meat on the plate certainly fine and well, and but less of it, mm-hmm. and and maybe not every day, and and certainly the organic um, food movement and and uh, CSAs and supporting mm-hmm. small farms, yeah. and the vegetable scene has just has just boomed, and that is certainly an invitation to adopt a little milder lifestyle, certainly, I think. Yes.
3: Yeah. My book, uh, The Vegan Guide. Uh, and I
2: was just going to mention that was because you're pointing to it and our, our listeners can't see it. Um, Rin puts out a, a guidebook, an annual guidebook, called The Vegan Guide to New York City, including all the boroughs, for all the restaurants and health food and, and ethical shopping and raw food shops. Um, quite a work. I mean, that's... You couldn't have written this 50 years ago yeah. because it would have been one entry, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> or three. Yeah. You know. And in now, fact,
3: uh, in the beginning, I had to pa- pad it out with the so-called vegetarian-friendly restaurants, to, you know, to bulk it up. But now it's that's no longer necessary, so I don't include vegetarian-friendly restaurants. They're exclusively vegetarian and, and vegan. And
2: vegan, uh-huh. uh huh. And I'm sure this is probably something that'll be catching on in, in other major cities yeah, as sure. well. Yeah. Um, and every restaurant that you go into always has a vegetarian entree yeah, listed, yeah. So, which 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 is just shows you that the movement has. I mean, people adopt different lifestyles, and, yeah. and
3: that's uh, as you said. There's a, you know, every restaurant has, has become vegetarian friendly,
2: right? Right. Um, and I we were um, referring earlier to cooking and how early man discovered fire and yeah. learned to cook and cooked his meat. Um, there is a whole new movement afoot, which yeah. is now, has now made history, so we can talk about it as being historical. And that's the raw food movement. Yeah. Uh, okay. Tell me a little bit about that.
3: Well, the, actually, believe it or not, the first raw food restaurant uh, uh, appeared in uh, Los Angeles uh, in uh, 1917. Hmm. Uh, and uh, that it was called the eutrophion, which uh, in Greek means... Uh, to well, to well nourished, or to to be uh, to be well nourished, and um, the uh, the owner was a was a woman named Vera Rector, and she put out a uh, of the first raw food uh, uncookbook, shall we say? Hmm. So uncookbook. Uh, yeah. like <laughs> so that was really the first uh, uh, raw food restaurant, uh, but. Uh, People have been consuming raw food for eons. I mean, uh, because uh, you know, again, uh, it was simply wasn't fi- financially expedient to uh, to cook food. You know, f- cooking fuel fuel until recently was very expensive. the The modern stove wasn't really invented until the late nineteenth century. The gas stove. So uh, most people did consume uh, the, the bulk of their food uh, in its raw state. But so.
2: well, since antiquity, there were ovens and communal ovens, yeah. and yeah. you know we had you know, yeah, there, I mean we, we uh, had fire. We fire. Did, we did fire, cook yes. bread is a wonderful thing, and bread was yes. made. <laughs> yeah. Bread was made But in again, it wasn't ovens. to the
3: extent that we do it today. I mean, not, right. not everything was cooked. Maybe
2: that's true, um, and it's interesting because today there there's this. Um, Burgeoning growth of vegetarian cooks, vegetarian mm. chefs, and vegetarian cookbooks, and as you said, and restaurants. Uncooks, and uncooks. And uncooks, <laughs> right, and raw food. Um, now more choices. I, and, and I think there's less of this feeling for a while. It was there were the vegetarian groups seemed to be these fanatical groups, whether it was a religious mm-hmm. fanaticism or, um, you know, maybe they were proselytizing their mm-hmm. lifestyle too much. And other people didn't like it and they were bad, just like any religion happens in any any nation, in any culture. Um, But then something happened that changed people's choices to adopt a meatless diet, and those were the health concerns. So now we don't have people choosing a vegetarian lifestyle because of ethical, moral, metaphysical, but necessarily maybe because it's a healthier lifestyle. That, I think, has broadened the whole I mean, range, yeah. right? And so there's more, do you feel that like there's more acceptance of a vegetarian lifestyle?
3: Well, yes, I think now it's, there are, uh, as you say, the medical evidence supports uh, eating uh, a plant-based diet. And uh, I have a lot, of, I've known a lot of uh, so-called, uh, what I call coronary vegetarians, you know. Coronary. <laughs> who have their first heart attack and then their doctors uh, prescribe essentially a vegan diet because uh, so many of these animal foods are, uh, you know, high in cholesterol and tend to uh, block the arteries. And it's not really, we're finding that it's not a healthful lifestyle being a carnivore or Mm -hmm. having a meat-centered diet.
2: And today there are so many other options available to us. The the reintroduction of ancient grains and people Mm -hmm. able Mm -hmm. to eat whole grains, and then a lot of people say, "Well, whole grains aren't," you know, that that brings with it a whole other trove of of allergies Mm -hmm. and other problems. And um,
3: and people have you know uh, every every year uh, uh, there's a bestseller that dominates the New York Times bestseller list and. It has a title like reversing heart disease and, mm-hmm. you know, by Caldwell Esselstein or Dean Ornish. Dean Ornish, or, right, and, yeah. And they all prescribe uh, a, a vegan diet, essentially a vegan diet to reverse cancer and heart disease. So. Yeah,
2: I, I think, uh, well, Julia Child always said everything in moderation, so <laughs> yeah, you know, right. not too much of anything. What I did learn from you, um, a term that I like very much, and I'm going to be using that, flexitarian.
3: Yeah, that's Okay. Right. Yeah.
2: Not an omnivore necessarily, but it is. But somebody who's flexible in their... Yeah. What do, what, what do you, what, how do you describe flexitarian?
3: Well, flexitarian is, I described someone who uh, uh, still has uh, uh, animal, you know, the occasional... Uh, meat in their meat, diet. Meat on his plate, but uh, less maybe um, two or three times a week rather than everyday day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so that that's a flexitarian. Right,
2: yeah. a, a whole movement started called Meatless Mondays. Meatless Mondays. And yes, that's, that certainly is to get people to uh, consume uh, less meat.
3: It seems to be uh, catching on now, not only in uh, North America but in South America too. Mm-hmm. There's a
2: yeah. Well, it's interesting. There's so much to learn about vegetarianism, and it's not just um, necessarily, you know, as I say, attached to these um, fanatical groups that that were you know ages ago and it's now um more of an acceptance and adoptive lifestyle that Mm -hmm. uh, that people are more tolerant of one another in many ways and i think certainly what we consume and what we put in our bodies is is another way that we you know we just have different lifestyles and and that's the way we are Well, Well, thank you so much for sharing all your information. And uh, there's, as I say, people can pick up your guide, The Vegan Guide to New York City, if they're in New York and want to explore some of the the vegan and vegetarian options. And certainly the history of vegetarianism is is well-documented. And they can read about it
3: in uh, Famous Vegetarians, Mm -hmm. my book, Famous That's right,
2: Famous Vegetarians. And And, uh, Uh, Food for the Gods. Food for the Gods, right. Well, Um, thank you so much. All right, bye-bye, thanks. And you've been listening to A Taste of the Past.
1: Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time, at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.